0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Relunchables podcast. I am Jordan Holzer. I would like to thank my listeners for the overwhelming support thus far. If you thought 80 minutes was way too long to talk about the luck of the Irish, well, think again, because we are bringing you a bonus podcast with the director of the Luck of the Irish, Paul Hohen. Paul Hohen is an incredibly accomplished director who has directed such TV series as Even Stevens, Ned's The Classified School Survival Guide, and Andy Mack, and such Disney Channel original movies as Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, Read It and Weep, Jump In, and of course, The Luck of the Irish. Let's get into my interview with director Paul Hohen, and just because I love hearing it, let's play the Disney Channel original movie Intro Music. Coming on the Relunchables podcast and giving me a few minutes of your time. I really appreciate it. Sure, no problem. Paul, you've had a pretty incredible run of work, including some of my favorite Disney Channel original movies and television series, such as Even Stevens, The Jersey, and Ned's The Classified School Survival Guide. I'm not sure if, if you realize how influential you have been in not only mine, but an entire generation of people who grew up consuming content you helped create. And I'm curious, when you were first breaking into the entertainment industry, was there something about kids' programming in general that attracted you? Is this just where the opportunity came?
1: Um, you know, I think it's both. I think, um, one, you, like, go to school and then you hope that, oh, I see the power of film and television. And, you know, it, it would be great to change people's lives, right? And then there's the other part of, like, okay, where can I get a job? And how can I how can I actually earn a living and work? And so I think both things kind of came came to play and um you know I don't know that I sat around and every day I mean I started working on a show called Kids Incorporated which you know you know it wasn't it wasn't like a big huge mover or shaker at the time so you know um but it's kind of nice in some of these especially in the movies that I've done you know where you really feel like um that, you know, you're speaking to kids in sort of a universal level of like, it's okay to be who you
0: are and whoever that might be, you know what I mean? Of course. And I think those messages continue to resonate. Um, how did you get involved in directing Disney Channel original movies specifically and building a relationship with the Disney Channel? Well, first I,
1: I um, you know, I was, I worked my way up from, you know, making sandwiches and coffee and getting people's lunches to, um to ading and then I did that show called The Secret World of Alex Mack which was on Nickelodeon and at the time um uh Nick had a lot of these series like The Secret World of Alex Mack, Pete and Pete, you know, these single camera film like little 30 minute short films which were super fun and really kind of creative at the time and then The Disney Channel was seeing that, and there's always this competition between Nickelodeon and the Disney Channel. And so a lot of the executives at the time moved from Nickelodeon over to the Disney Channel, and they brought a lot of people over that they had worked with and I had known. And so then I started mostly in series at the Disney Channel and because that was what they were primarily doing. But they also started to build this um, DCOM franchise which was at the early stages and because they were churning out so many of them at the time they wanted to get you know a director a single camera director that knew how to work with kids and that sort of had a sensibility for a longer form um in film and so they like basically just plucked me out of you know one of the series directors and started handing me these movies which here I am 20 years later and it's been a career.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's been 19 years since The Luck of the Irish premiered. Uh, moving to that film specifically, are there any moments in particular that stand out to you when you look back at that time or anything that you remember about the experience of shooting it? Um, you know, I 1st the thing I first remember is sitting and
1: getting the script and kind of excited to read it. And it was kind of a page turner at that, at that point. And so I thought, wow, this is actually really good and um, shooting it, you know, it was in um, it was my first film so I was a little bit nervous on how it was going to go and I I remember you know, nowadays I've learned that no matter what the weather is or it's snowing or raining or whatever you have to do you just keep shooting and you figure out a way to make it work but back then you know, there was that scene uh, where the car chase with the the van and they're chasing the Cadillac. And in the end, it's supposed to, um, there's, they crash, they get a flat tire and it's supposed to, to rain, right? Well, the the beginning of that, I showed up that day and it was just pouring rain the whole time. and I was like, how are we going to shoot this thing? It's pouring rain everywhere and and then they're supposed to crash and then it's supposed to rain. You know, I can't make it <laughs> sunny. And the, you know, I think we should take a rain day. And the producers were, they laughed at me? I said, it's, you don't take rain day. There's no such thing as a rain day. We keep shooting. <laughs> and anyway, some somehow we made it work. You know, with lights and. Uh, but the entire time it was boring, the whole time that action sequence was going on. So that's the thing to remember. The other thing I think about that film is I always watch it and there's something that happens in a film where you as the director, even though you were there every minute and you know what the shots were, but you start to forget that experience kind of goes away from you and it just becomes sort of this life in itself that you don't necessarily feel a part of, that it just kind of, the world sort of exists without you in it. That's how I feel about this film every time I watch it. I always love watching it more than anything else. If it comes on or I see it, I find myself (laughs) you know, do than
0: some of the others. What was the shooting schedule like on Disney Channel original movies? How many days did you typically have? Did it depend on the script, or was it kind of standard across the films?
1: Um, back in the day, I think it was only 25 days, or uh, somewhere between 20 and 25 days. Actually, I think it was always 25 days, and they always had the strict amount of extras that you could have, no matter what the movie was, that had a huge baseball game like. Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, it would just be, you know, 50 extras, you would guess, where <laughs> that was the, you know, the number that, that no matter what the movie was, it was going to be this amount of time, and you were going to do it. And that was pretty much their pattern. And so it became an art to figure out how to adjust the script and how to, to um, you know, adjust the resources that you had to maintain, you know, to make the... Movie good basically.
0: And was that similar to the budget as well? Were the budgets kind of standardized across the film?
1: They were pretty much standardized. Yeah, you would,
0: you know, there'd be some fights here or there
1: if it was a little bit more, a little bit less. And then you would have to go plead for extra time or extra money. But most would be, oh, cut the script, figure out something that you can cut, or, you know, shoot faster. you know, the name of the game.
0: Sure, sure. And uh, what do you remember most about working with the late Henry Gibson? He was such an iconic actor and in so many things throughout his career. Uh, do you have any memories of him?
1: Oh, yeah. He was hysterical and he was uh, super funny and incredibly nice and gracious person. And <laughs> I remember he, he yelled at me at one point where <laughs> we were out on that field, you know, where he was chained to a post and and you know he was there in the background, but you know he wasn't doing anything. And it was freezing cold that night, and and you know I'm shooting lacrosse, but just because he's out there in the background, it just never occurred to me that the poor guy is sitting there freezing to death. <laughs> he came to me. he was like, I can't take it. So you've got to shoot me out. There's got to be a way to do this without me sitting in the background. <laughs> Which, of course, there was, and I was, you know, a little inexperienced at the time. Now, I would completely be, oh, yeah, for sure. We're not going to make you sit out there all night long. But, um, <laughs> and then afterwards, he, I, I don't know if he said to me or he said to somebody at the channel that, you know, he's done laughing and a whole bunch of all these things. And he said, but he's never got more people coming up to him and telling him how great the movie was than this Disney Channel movie, Luck of the Irish. I it was just absolutely incredible. So.
0: That's impressive for someone who's been in Magnolia and Herbs yeah. and his kind of IMDb. And uh, that's a big yeah. statement coming from him.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. That And that's happened before. I think a lot of people don't realize um, how many people watch the, the Disney Channel movies, especially back then. Um, it was really like big family affair and, and you know, um, I once looked at the ratings. I'm like, well, one Boardwalk Empire, sixty thousand people watched it, and then, oh look, Lucky the Irish, eight point five million people, you know, <laughs> watched. <laughs> so, so I just think it's it's uh, it's just interesting. It's it's uh, it. I think as TV has fractured more and more, um, the largest intact audience is still kids, you know, and um, you know nowadays. Sure, people are moving to YouTube, and boys especially don't watch
0: the channel as much anymore.
1: Um, but it's still a huge demographic that's still locked together, you know.
0: 100%. We were talking about that on the podcast of how Breaking Bad in their first four seasons never clutched 2 million viewers. It's, a, it's yeah. a pretty pretty radical change in how, you know, content is consumed nowadays. I'm curious now that all these films are now available on Disney Plus and now are more the mainstream, and my generation is kind of getting older having kids and showing these films to their own kids. Have you noticed a resurgence in a new generation of kids watching your films um you know i i um I don't
1: know you know it's funny it's things peak, and I definitely get um you know emails from kids who you know wanna. Um wanna act or have ideas of scripts and things like that um but it's uh, you know it's I think I have daughter, a daughter and a son, and a lot of them you know they go back on Disney plus and watch it, and I hate to say sometimes they go like, God, this I remember this being much better <laughs> okay, Audrey. thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, it's it's just a different um, <laughs> this is a different market nowadays and so but you know this last zombies movie did just did some really good numbers and so which is, everybody at the Disney Channel was very thrilled because they've lost so much market share because of all of this you know Netflix and YouTube and everywhere else is going into children's programming, so it's kind of tough. So so there is still – there's still a large body of
0: people that really gravitate to these movies, I think. I won't admit that I maybe had a similar reaction as your daughter to to rewatching The Luck of the Irish, but I I won't admit that on this podcast. (laughs) 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 But uh, I, I think kids who grew up in the 90s and early 2000s, like myself, not only take pride in, but they're kind of stubborn. I know I am in believing our generation grew up during the best time for kids' programming. And right. I'm sure probably each generation feels that way. How have you seen children's programming change throughout the years since you got involved?
1: Um, I definitely think that, that that time was the golden age of, uh, of children's programming.
0: And actually, you know, the
1: other person that agrees with that is the Smithsonian, because the Irish is in the Smithsonian <laughs> Institute is, uh, as an example of the time of film, of kids, you know, programming of the time. And it goes through, I think... Um, I think we have to figure out what kids are so much older now and so much more sophisticated. And you know, um, I don't know more sophisticated, but there's you know, we were we grow as a society, right? And each generation is a little bit more knowledgeable, and we're not dealing with um, you know, um, couched metaphors of like it's okay to be gay, you know, like now it's more like if you're gay, it's kind of left handed, right? And so as we move on there's new things we have to figure out like okay what's you know um you know a lot of those movies were about being okay with who you are and nowadays okay we get that you so what is the new message that you know we need to find for kids and and i think and that's going to hit at some point you know we're all going to figure out like um, what that is. I'm, I'm sure, we're, I think we're kind of in a transition now trying to to figure out what milestone is in kids' programming.
0: Sure. And I think kids nowadays are all on YouTube or TikTok and I think it's curious to see what Quibi does if they get involved in, you know, a lot of children's programming and this sort of short-form content to keep kids' attention nowadays. I'm right. really interested in see how, how things move.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I, I hope there's always... There's always, um, it's great you can watch something for 15 seconds, <laughs> you know, and over
0: and over the same 15 seconds. Moving to this extraordinary cast of kids in this film, I'm wondering how involved were you in the casting process? What do you look for in young talent and what challenges present themselves when working with child actors?
1: Um, so... You know, there's a whole bunch of things that go into the casting session. It's not just what I want. It's what the channel wants. It's um, lately they've been, you know, they have a staple of stars. So it's really kind of like the old studio system where they really like try to cultivate talent and move them through their system. You know, which is Disney and then Freeform, and you know, some people go on to movies and things. So um, there's that. That little element to it. There's the element of who you read something and you imagine who somebody is. But then I think with kids, it's really important to kind of see who comes in the room and who brings something to the part that maybe is unexpected um, and, you know, and just really bring something to the role because it's very, I think, with kids, you've got to find that natural, you know, spark that that works for the film as opposed to saying, Oh, I need somebody like this and like this and like this, you know, and put some arbitrary things on it. And I think the challenging when you're directing kids also, it's important as a director to kind of just get out of the way for a minute and see what the, the actor is doing and what's authentic for them in the role and then when you see that, you stay out of the way for a minute. You let them do what they what they bring to it, and then you you work with that. Um, so you work with their strengths as opposed to saying, you know, he, here's this. So I think the first thing as a director, you gotta step out of the way, watch what they do, hone what they do, and then of course there's the challenge of um, the kid hours, which. Um, you know, they can only be on set for, if they're a minor, only seven out of a 10-hour day. That includes, like, lunch and an hour for breaks, um, you know, in between lighting setups. And so as a director, you know, normally you you come in with adults and there'd be a schedule that you're going to do that day and you sit around and take your time with the scene and try to discover what it is. And, you know, there's sort of that process. In kids, it's like you got to come in to sort of – understand where you got to be and where you got to go. You can't really be indecisive because of the hours. Um, You have to, uh, you have to actually be involved in the schedule and how you shoot something. So it's kind of a big math puzzle basically (laughs) that you have to do. And a lot of times kids don't hit their marks. Um, There's a lot of technical things that the director as you're sort of a teacher so, it's like taking a film class kind of for them as well. sure, <clears throat> so I always think like when a kid gets to be about sixteen seventeen is like the the greatest time to have them because they're still not jaded, and it's not all about staying in makeup hair and wardrobe for hours um yeah, but it's it, but they they have enough talent and technical knowledge that it really becomes sort of a pleasure to work with them. And that sure. kind of was the case of Lucky like, Irish actually. They were right around that. All the kids were right around that. Kind of prime
0: age, I think. And I was impressed rewatching the movie. Ryan Merriman surprisingly had to do a lot in this film. He had to pull off an Irish accent. He had to, you know, the basketball skills, the dancing. Uh I'm yeah. not sure it looked like the last scene was lip sync, but still he had to do it. He was very versatile in this role.
1: Yeah. Actually the the last song wasn't lip sync, it was me sitting at the piano, because it was the last thing that I I suggested. I go, well, why don't we do This Land is Your Land? I, it was that song or Erie Canal. <laughs> 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 and, and it wasn't even scripted. And they just said, sure. And so I just sat at the piano and actually played it. And then they each stood up and sang. And then later we came back and... Replace my piano playing with something and, and replaced uh, that we put the audience in as like sort of a choral thing, going on. but that was all on the fly.
0: It still takes me out of the movie a little bit, seeing Bill Bailey get up there and start singing. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs>
1: but you know, they all, they commit. I've, I'm, I'm just I'm always really impressed with these kids that just what they're able to pull off. Like, um, and jump in Kiki Palmer and and Corbin, you know, and doing those all, you know, they pretty much did that double dutch stuff, you know, I mean, almost yeah. as well as some of the professional kids that did it. And, you know, it's just, it just kind of blows you away.
0: Yeah, uh, I just had a few more questions. Kind of wanted to get outside and um, into what's going on today, everything with COVID nineteen. I'm just curious, how has it impacted your life and your colleagues in the entertainment industry right now?
1: Well, we were um, so I was shooting High School Musical the series up in Salt Lake City, and I got it to about two days of shooting an episode of that, and um, and that was the end of that. So they sent everybody home. So, you know, for me, it's okay. I'm freelance, so I'm used to being off and then back on again and off. And that's sort of been always my life. I feel bad for a lot of the crew members who, you know, it's they get up and, you know, they're they're a manufacturing. It's like building a car, right, for those guys. And so it's a day-to-day thing. Um, And so, you know, and then we were, you know, going to, see, there's investigations on seeing if Zombies 3 was going to happen again and there was started to have discussions about that and then all of a sudden, well, we got to put this on hold right now. So um, it's a lot of it's, you know, I always say that making a film is kind of like manufacturing, like maybe the last manufacturing (laughs) business (laughs) And, um, and you know, and it's, you can't, you have to work with a large group of people, right? It's not something you can sit at home and you know it's just it doesn't stop at the script right so so it's uh you know it's tough and everybody's i think it's going to come back we're all going to keep you know doing stuff but it's it's i think it's hard for people who live live paycheck to paycheck everybody thinks this film industry is like oh it's like this um glamorous and everybody's rich and you know and it's not not really the case i mean most most people hugely creative people but you know if there is a middle class it's sort of there everybody is in that little
0: middle class yeah and a lot of these communities in in parts of atlanta and canada and you know they rely on production to support the entire town and some towns have just formed up to support production so uh, you got to feel for these communities right now Um, I assume you've been spending a great deal of time at home and not at the beach like many spring breakers in Florida right now. Um, Have you been watching any TV shows or films that you recommend?
1: No, I've been watching CNN. (laughs) 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 When I can't stand it, I watch something uh, mindless. uh, (laughs) Anyway, I wish I could tell you that... uh, I love Jojo Rabbit. I think that's my favorite film of, uh, of last year, so I'd recommend that one if anybody hasn't seen that one. That's an ultimate perfect kid's film, I think. If if I could make that, I would have been the happiest guy in the world.
0: Um, it kind of hits all the notes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and for adults, too. I think it says something great.
0: So I just had five quick questions for you, kind of rapid fire uh, to end on. Uh, sure. What is your favorite restaurant or meal in Los Angeles?
1: Korean barbecue. Nice. Uh have
0: you gone <laughs> I think I think you answered this, but have you gone back and rewatched The Luck of the Irish? And if so, how long has it been?
1: Um I think I watched it the other day uh, I think when I got streaming, I got Disney Plus. I was excited <laughs> I kind of went, went through, and I I think that was one of them that I watched. The interesting thing is that everything's a sixteen by nine framing, and that was shot in four by three, which looks very weird to me. And like everything is completely tight. So hopefully one of these days the Disney Channel goes through, and you know because it was all that shot on film at the time, and they do have full frame transfers of all of these movies. So hopefully somebody spends some time and, and fixes it. And there's also oddly some things on the dude that says directed by Paul Hohen and some other person who I'm like, I wonder who that is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very weird. But anyway,
0: uh, do you still keep in touch with members of the cast, Ryan, Alexis, Glendon?
1: No, you know, I haven't, um, haven't talked to really, Oh, the one is uh, Marita who played the mom. She actually yeah. teaches at my uh sons and daughters uh grammar school when they were in grammar school. She was uh, oddly their fourth grade teacher. So <laughs> 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 I thought I ran into her at school when I was taking my like, kids to play. What are you doing here? Well I teach her on the side. Oh okay. my god. So uh I, I see her and um um Alexis, I just real, recently saw her on Instagram and started following her they all seem happy and they they're all very um, successful and Ryan especially has done really well. I think
0: definitely. Uh, what was your favorite Disney channel original movie that you weren't involved in? Oh, good one. I, it was Brink. Oh, uh, that's my favorite too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is yeah. such an iconic one. I think that and Johnny tsunami are kind of like the go-to Disney channel original movies when people think yeah. about them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, Brink is a great movie. And that's the one I watched right before I did Luck of the Irish. was like, wow, these, you just really got a sense of what that they were doing these um, movies that you could do something really great. And they were also character driven, which was fantastic. You know, nowadays, I mean, a lot of these things have become big, huge dance and production numbers, which is an
0: art in itself. But uh, back then they were more, you know, personal movies. And last one, this is a, a real serious question. If Disney approached you about possibly doing a sequel to the luck of the Irish, where perhaps Brian Merriman came back, he's now the basketball coach at the school, his daughter is now wearing the lucky coin, and Seamus has somehow escaped the Lakes of Erie and is back wrecking havoc, would you sign up to direct?
1: I absolutely would. In fact, I pitched a little idea the other day, really briefly. I was mm-hmm. actually sitting with my friend, and I was spitballing mm-hmm. some luck of the Irish idea about him taking his kids on vacation <laughs> someplace and Seamus living on the lake and like a little houseboat <laughs> made out of trash and he sees him on the thing and steals his coin. So we'll see. I'm going to, one of these days, I'm going to, uh, I I emailed the channel and said, what do you think about this? And I was like, yes. <laughs> it's super excited. And then I just kind of, I haven't, I've been busy, so I haven't really gone and pursued it very far, but. Um, but you might see it.
0: (laughs) I thought I was kidding, but honestly, this has made my day now. Thank you. This is (laughs) is unbelievable. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, Paul, for coming on the Relunchables. Uh, We'd love to have you back on at some point, perhaps when we get started talking about some of your other Disney Channel original movies. Sure. Very nice meeting you, and thanks for having me. I appreciate it.